Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 122. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rickstraw. How you doing, Kevin? That's, that seems like a lot of episodes. 122 is a lot. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of episodes. You'd think we'd uh, we'd be more professional by now. And yeah. yet here we are. You th- yeah, I know. You do think that we would be like much better at this. Well, you know. What are you going to do? That's, what are you going to do? That's just how it is. Uh, today, we'll be getting into two feature reviews. First, we'll be talking about the indie sci-fi film Coherence. Then we'll be heading to the Outback with a review of The Rover. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Kevin, we'll start with you. Oh, with me. Okay. Mind you, I, I, I've only seen two movies this week other than the two that we're reviewing because yeah, of the World Cup. I, they, I'm pretty much in the exact same boat. I, I think I only watched two as well. And the first one was The Triplets of Belleville. Finally got to see this animated movie. This is one that I thought you, for sure you would have seen like years ago. This is one of those movies that like when it came out, I was like, oh yeah, I'll love that. So I've just like pushed it off because I'm just like, yeah, I already like it. I don't need to see it. I don't know why I do that occasionally, but I, I do. I do it too. It doesn't make, do it doesn't it make sense, but I do it. And it might be uh, might because I don't want to be let down. So I just go on thinking that, yep, I like it. But I watched it, and it turns out I do like it. I like it a lot. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. The animation is absolutely unbelievable. It's incredible. The story is uh, it's kind of ridiculous, and there's really there's no dialogue at all. It's just sort of like mumblings. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like remember when we talked about The Illusionist, mm-hmm. which was uh, Chomet's last film, his newest film. Same thing, you know. There's no dialogue at all. <clears throat> But the the artwork is so unbelievable, and just a lot of the stuff is just so bizarre and odd that you just love it. I just absolutely love it. So much fun. It's it, it, the guy. It's about a guy named Champion who gets kidnapped during the Tour de France, and he's taken to Belleville, where these gangsters have built this contraption where they have three cyclists on a bike. And they project like a path in front of them on a screen and they just cycle and people place bets on these guys. Mm. So that's what they that's what they do. And Champion's a grandma, along with her trusty, unbelievably overweight dog, <laughs> set out to find him, and then they end up getting help from the triplets of Belleville, which are uh, a geriatric song and dance group. And it's just it's ridiculous. And it's funny because the the synopsis says that the, he's kidnapped during the Tour de France. And I'm like, oh, man, I wonder how they kidnap him. He doesn't really get kidnapped. He he falls off his bike. They pull up beside him, open up the back of their, their truck, and he just gets in the truck, <laughs> and then they leave. Like, that's not – I mean, it's kind of kidnapping, but really, he just got into a truck with two gangsters. He's, he's not the smartest person, so I don't really feel bad for him. But it was a fun movie. Yeah, I just, this is one that, I don't know, I just never, 
for whatever reason, I just never had the interest to see this. Like the animation does look good, but it doesn't particularly look like my style, my preferred style of animation. Yeah. Looks very French. Oh, it's oh, it's so French. And uh, I'm not 100% into that French style of animation where it's like everybody's well, very long and lanky. What's well, funny when they go to Belleville, it's just every single person is overweight. And she, the the grandma, acts like a blind person to, like, follow this guy or whatever. And she's stopped at a street and this, I mean, just humongous Boy Scout comes up to, like, help her across the street. And she just continuously hits him in the face with her cane hmm. for, like, a minute. Like, it, a full minute just keeps hitting him. The and animation I, style to me looks like, um, if you've ever seen any of those Professor Layton games... For the Nintendo DS and the 3DS, that's what it looks like. Where everything's kind of brown and you got like cobblestone streets. And <laughs> I mean, I'm not knocking it in any way. I just, uh, I'll probably watch this at some point in my life. I don't know when though. It's on uh, Netflix Instant. You, um, you can stream it on that bad boy. I saw How to Train Your Dragon 2. I saw this last <clears throat> Sunday, but it was after we were done recording, so I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Mm, loved about, loved it. Talk about animation that I I don't care for. Have you? Did you see the first one though? Because I've seen trailers. I haven't. I haven't because seen that was exactly how I felt about the first one. Where when I'd see trailers, I was like, "Yeah, it looks fine. I'm not really into that. Like, I'm not really into that animation style and stuff." And then I saw it, and I loved it. This one, I think that I even I liked this one even more. Um, it's the the animation is is really good. I mean, it's it's really really good. But that's not really why I love this movie. It's it's more about just the story and and the journey that that this is taking. It takes place five years after the first one, and everybody looks older. Like the main the main character. Of hiccup he has like uh stubble on his face now like you can just tell that he's older he looks yeah. older and i thought it was really interesting that they did that they also do some some other really interesting things with the story that are not typical of a children's story at all like stuff happens in this movie where you're just like i can't believe they went there with it like in the first one he loses his leg his leg gets cut off in the first movie. Ooh. So in the first one, like you, you know that they're kind of being more risky than with normal Disney kids movies because he gets his leg amputated. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they go even darker in this one. They go, they go very dark. And this, this one is more epic in scale. There's a lot more dragons because at this point, everybody in their little village has a dragon. They know how to use them. They know how to ride them. And then they discover this that there's all these other dragons throughout the land. And then they meet up with a villain. And then they kind of go to war with the villain. And it's so well made and just such an amazing story. I was completely enthralled the entire time. It is just excellent, excellent filmmaking. Hmm. I'm going to have to check these out. Yeah, like I said, I had zero expectations for the first one. Went into it just because my dad was visiting 
and it was the only thing coming out in theaters and we wanted to go see a movie so we went to see that and i ended up loving it which really took me by surprise and with this one because of the first one how much i liked it i had very high expectations for this one so i was like oh man it better not better not suck it better not just be a retread of the first one and it's it's not at all it it progresses the story in a really interesting way i wouldn't say it's perfect there are a couple little nitpicks i would have here and there with it yeah but nothing nothing to detract from it too much it's very funny also uh jonah hill and christopher mince plus are two of like the kind of minor characters in it they're funny and Kate blanchett has been added to the cast she plays uh hit hiccups mom who's he's voiced by jay barichell yeah and uh i just can't recommend it highly enough well how about that yeah it's very solid and i saw it saw it in 3d looked quite good in 3d a lot of the camera camera work is really impressive and uh there was a really really cool flying scene in this one that they're playing like uh cigarettes over it and it was just like a very beautiful scene and the music went well with it and it with the the use of the 3d it really makes you feel like you're you know up there in the clouds and it's just an excellent movie how about that yeah yep i would recommend watching it on your uh 24 inch tv (laughs) (laughs) so you can get the full effect (laughs) And make sure you have the volume at two. Oh, you're an asshole. Yeah. That's exactly how I'm going to watch it. <laughs> well, at least you're not watching it on your phone. <laughs> watching it that way just out of spite. Show you. Well, something I, I know something that I watched this morning on my laptop with my headphones. And that's uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Well, I'll tell you one thing before you get into that. Watching things on your laptop... If you wear wear headphones with it, it makes it a little bit better. Like, it uh, makes it more yeah. of a pass to me. Because when you uh, have the headphones on, it kind of immerses you in it, into it a little bit more. It's a, I, I wish that there was a way that when you go to a movie theater, that they would have some system where you have, like, you can own wireless headphones. And when you go into a movie theater... I would love pop, that. You could just pop those on. Yep. Because then you wouldn't have to deal with the assholes that are around you. Yep. In the movie theater, I would love it. Like That'd if you could fantastic. get some, like you could bring in your own. Yeah. Headphones, and you, I would get like those uh, Bose, you know, noise canceling wireless and be, ones. And, and it would be like it would be like an app on your phone. You would just pop it up, pop it up on the phone air, log in. Well, I mean, they could even just put in little mic jacks in the in the. Uh, you know the the seats like they do oh. on airplanes yeah oh man that'd be fancy someone needs to get on that all right out of the seven people that are listening to this i know they have hopefully one of you is an entrepreneur and jump on that of you course have, the, just run with it no they're gonna just make like 4d theaters now that like squirt water on you and the seats rumble that's what they're i don't doing. I, I don't want that <laughs> i don't want i do not want to go to a movie and get water squirted on me like who the fuck wants that? I think that it's f- that doing that type of thing is fun in an amusement park setting. Yeah, I can but understand that. Just regular movies. I'm not 
I don't really care. I would. I want a more because, like, to to me, that's not a more immersive experience. You know, no, that's like just, getting water squirted on me, or um, you know, they have those little things that are under your seat that kind of brush up against you, or the rumbling. Like to me, that's not more immersive. I think to me, it's just ridiculous. Because what could what what do they? What's it called? D box, right? D box where the you know the chair shakes a little bit, and it's like. What what the fuck is the point of that? Like something's happening in the film, and you're like, ah, oh, I wonder what it feels like to be like shuffled around a little bit in my seat. Oh, there it is. Oh man, that's so cool. Makes yeah, it I feel don't. So real. So real. To me, a more immersive experience would be better sound and better visuals. Like, so if you know, we went into a theater and they gave us Oculus Rift to wear while we're. Oh man. You know, something something that can completely tune out everything else except for what's happening on screen. That's what yeah. I would want. I would like them, and I mean, this is just very simple, just uh, police movie theaters better. Oh, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's, all, that's, that's something, all I want. That, see, that's something that's they're supposed to already be doing. You know, that's, that's... That's all I want. That's why they need to just have Alamo draft houses be everywhere. Yeah, that would be... Very enjoyable. If they could uh, open up one of those, like close to me, I I, th- I would appreciate that. I think there is one up there. I don't know where though. I mean, I, I know there's one in New York, but there's another one somewhere. I think there's one close. The closest we want we have is I think there's one in Virginia. Yeah, I think you're right. But Virginia's not close enough. No. So Alamo Draft House, get on that. Like, I'd just like, be worried if they if they open up too many theaters that it would be. There'd be a lack, uh, you know, the quality would start to... No, yeah. You always have to worry about that. But if anybody can do it, they can. They can do it. Anyways, The Thing. I watched The Thing. Correct. We'll get back to that. I didn't I didn't enjoy this as much as They Live. Oh my god, I love The Thing. It was, it was good. I, the special effects in this are just incredible. All the special effects are just ridiculously awesome. Every time they... Yeah, he trans he transmorphed. <laughs> <laughs> Every time the thing would transmorph was just oh my god, oh my god! I was just waiting for that constantly. Yeah, I mean to this day I still don't even know how they do some of those effects. Like they just They're look incredible. so good. The guys, the guy's head slowly detaches from his body, yeah. hangs down from the table, grows spider legs and antenna, and just starts scuttling away and then it's quickly quickly dispatched of with a flamethrower i like how they just took care of everything with a flamethrower <laughs> which seems entirely you know that's just not really well they knew that that's was... really dangerous it's really dangerous yeah and but they knew that that was the one way to to definitely kill it for good but i don't know if it, it was because didn't they bring back the one that was all burnt up and the doctor mr you know dr brimley was like it's they're not dead. It's not dead. We well, gotta you gotta the, cell, the cells are the cells are still still working. So yeah, you obviously gotta, hitting them with a flamethrower doesn't work. Oh you gotta like burn it to a crisp. Forever. You just gotta hit it with a flamethrower for like roughly six hours, I think. And then it's dead. So this is uh this is another John Carpenter. How how are you feeling about John Carpenter as a director? I enjoy him. The the only thing with the thing 
was I didn't feel like it was uh you know the camera work and the execution and stuff I didn't think it was as good as they live like mm. they live had like some really good cinematography in there the thing for me didn't I wasn't feeling the cinematography but I loved the effects and the story was great because as soon as the thing shows up you know the, the way that this story you know they're scientists in the Antarctic and the thing shows up and you're just like what the fuck are you guys doing like why try you're gonna die you're all gonna <laughs> die that's where this is going you can't survive this you're in the antarctic um you gotta try there's a thing try to get there come on all you got is flamethrowers and handguns and then you know at the end of the film the guy busts out the shotguns and i'm like why do you not get the shotguns right off the bat why are you running around with handguns and flamethrowers i don't know you gotta bust those shotguns out sooner i'd be immediately busting the shotgun out i would have shotguns out immediately and why didn't they take the gun from the, the the Norwegian that they killed? Use that sucker too. Which yeah. I love. How, I do love how the the thing opens with a guy trying to shoot a dog from mm-hmm. a helicopter and just being awful at it. Yeah. And then die. And I don't understand. Like when he gets out, the two get out, <clears throat> and the guy gets the grenade and can't fucking throw a grenade for some reason. <laughs> it slips out of his hand. Why does the other guy run back and try and get the live grenade? Um, like, why is he digging through the snow trying to find a live grenade? Maybe he's trying to get rid of it. I don't know. It just, it doesn't, that didn't make any sense to me. Well, I gotta or remember they... these are scientists. They don't know what they're doing <laughs> as far as like weapons and, I just, and things. I, I also love the fact that, you know, there's the US camp and there's the Norwegian camp. And apparently, like, they don't talk to each other at all. So the, the US camp has just been like hanging out and having a good time. While the Norwegian camp is fucking killing each other and burning down their base with flamethrowers and shit, and the thing is eating everyone, and they have no idea. They don't know. No one knows. Well, if no you knows. see the uh, the remake of the thing, you'll find that uh, it is a prequel. Oh Jesus! So you get to see what happens there. That is Norwegian. it ca- is it is it cast with Norwegians? Is no, Norwegian of course remake? not. Of it course not. A, what the. F- it's terrible. Awesome. The the thing remake is so terrible. You know, they get rid of all the really cool practical effects and use nothing but CG and it looks terrible. That sounds awful. It's yeah. Uh I love the thing. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. So I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. It's I just I think that it is a a horror masterpiece. I did thoroughly enjoy it. It's uh, it's one that I can revisit over and over and it just never gets old. It's still Fun to watch. I was kind of surprised because for whatever reason, my thinking was that you never really saw the thing until the end, which was completely wrong. Yeah, you see that fucker. <laughs> yeah, that was like right <laughs> off the bat. And I was like, okay, all right. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. But the, the interesting thing about it is that you never know what it's going to look like. It's always transmorphing and changing. <laughs> I, like, I like how we're... That's the thing like now. how we're using transmorphing it's always transmorphing it does the weird dog thing and then it does that weird flower thing my my favorite i think my favorite scene in that movie is when they're testing everybody when they develop the the fact that you know it reacts to heat and they're doing the blood tests like Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. all that stuff that whole scene it was so tense because you don't know which which one of them is a thing or whatever you don't know what's going on 
And I like, I like when they they test the one guy's blood and they find out that he's infected and he just freaks out. Yeah, he just starts he shaking just, and freaking and then, out. Yeah, the whole way that the whole way that that plays out is incredible. Like what he turns into, then he like flips up on the ceiling. And then Windows is just fucking dicking around all over in the corner. And it's like, dude, hit it with your flamethrower. What are you doing? Yeah, he was a... Ah, Windows. He was, yeah. He was a little bit of a wuss. I I still don't even understand how... Like, the scene when Kurt Russell's holding the Petri dish, and he puts the thing in, and the thing comes out of it. Like, I still, when I see that, I'm like, how did they do that? Because it just... it, It looks like it just shoots right out of it. And you're like, how did they film that i don't know i don't want to know no i don't either i don't either i, I mean i could have looked wanna, it up but i want to believe in the magic yeah i believe here. in the magic movies but they're also i like the fact that they're they're terrible at their jobs they seem like <laughs> just like the worst scientists ever they're just and slackers would i like mccready what like what's what's he do there is he just like the the pilot i don't understand like what any of their jobs were except for the doctor the doctor I understood. I think they all probably have just like one job. Like the one guy's the just in charge of making sure that the communications stuff is working. Yeah. And I just love that the, it seems like McCready's job is just to get drunk. And and uh, Kurt Russell's job is just to be a badass. Is it, yeah. like, it, But he's also kind of funny because it looked like he was wearing like a shit ton of eyeliner. Which really just kept confusing me. I think that's just how he his eyes are. His eyes are just that dreamy. I think so, because when you see him in like Big Trouble in Little China and that's right, his Escape, eyes always do look. Escape odd. from New York, like his eyes always, even though in Escape from New York he only has one of them. <laughs> oh God, so much fun. Wilford Brimley was just an absolute joy to watch. <laughs> I love when he just freaks out. And he starts shooting at everything, and then he runs out of bullets and just throws the fucking gun. Are mm. you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Brimley? That was fantastic. He is, he's amazing. And I love how he's doing his little computer programming thing, and it's like telling him all this stuff. And I'm just thinking, how the fuck does the computer know this? Like, well, how do it's, there's a little bit of science fiction in there. I just love how, like, they just, you know, discovered the things cellular structure and the computer automatically knows everything about it yeah and maybe Brim- brimley loses his shit he gets locked up yeah <laughs> but he's better now he just wants to come back inside just it, it was so much fun yep. enjoyed myself if you Love haven't it. seen the thing i think i'm the last person to see it i think you you might be i never saw the original because you know that's a remake i never saw the original what's the original it's called the thing what yeah I don't understand what's happening yeah, the, here. The Carpenter one is a remake. I'm learning so many things. Yeah. I can't I can't find it though. Oh, the thing from another world? Nineteen fifty one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Natural or supernatural question mark. Oh, okay. It's a Howard Hawks movie. Yeah, Howard. I never saw that one. So I The poster is amazing. Yeah, I would be curious to check it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch all three in order. The poster for the Carpenter thing is also pretty iconic i yeah i do love the poster for the that struzan one. yeah i love that i'm a fan the the funny thing was that in that movie the drew struzan documentary he talks about the thing and when he made that poster and how he never saw the movie and he didn't know anything about it <laughs> and he just did that <laughs> yeah 
Well, it works. Yeah. Uh, the only other movie I saw was a film called Miss Lovely. And this is uh, it's an Indian film. And this guy, the guy that directed it, I'm not even going to try to no, you have pronounce to. his name. It's no, you have to. Ashim Ahwalia. I think that was, it was close. That was spot on. It was close. I think that was spot on. He is historically he's a he's a documentary filmmaker i believe this is his first narrative feature and it definitely feels like he has a background in documentary filmmaking which is a good thing in this case because this film is about the underground kind of smut films that were being made in the mid to late 80s and early 90s in india and Pornography is illegal in India. So yeah. these guys, it was the, the film centers around two brothers that are making these no budget kind of softcore porn horror films. And one of the brothers is pretty evil. Like he's a pretty big bastard. He only cares about money. He's just kind of using these women. A lot of the women that he finds to be in these movies are prostitutes and they're not treated very well. They're kind of exploited. The other brother is kind of, uh, I don't want to call him a dimwit, but he's just more soft-spoken. He's more reserved and he has aspirations of being a legitimate filmmaker. And he meets this woman on a train and finds, he kind of falls in love with her. You know, it's a love at first sight thing. And he, decides that he's going to make a film called Miss Lovely and she's going to star in it and they're both going to blow up and get big and famous but the brother finds out and bad things happen and this oh, is a no. very tragic story this is an extremely dark and depressing movie oh. it's all done on kind of a, a handheld style it it feels very much like a documentary and the way that he shot it, it looks like it's something straight out of the 80s. I mean, he was, it's spot on. I mean, mm-hmm. it, this this movie looks amazing. And that's, that's the strongest thing. The plot kind of, it's kind of like a free form thing where there's no, there's no real progression that's happening. It just kind of meanders through the story. Yeah. And that can be problematic for some people it wasn't necessarily a problem for me but the characters are not very likable either so there's a lot there's not much to latch on to with this movie other than the strong visuals yeah and it's also kind of it kind of reminded me of like a goodfellas or a blow where it's sort of this cautionary tale and periodically throughout the movie the the brother the the nicer of the two brothers will give some background on what's happening in the underground film scene in India during this time yeah. over like a voiceover. Ooh. It was a little unnecessary, but it yeah, did. That sounds awful. It did add a little bit of kind of exposition into what's going on because I was genuinely interested in, in this I, because I didn't know, I don't know too much about the underground cinema in India. So that was interesting to me. Although I will say that the the narration was not necessary, felt a lot like Goodfellas. Actually, uh, you know how in okay. Goodfellas 
Ray yeah. Liotta periodically comes on and just narrates. Correct. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't done as as well in this. Yeah, I, yeah. A lot of people seem to they try to do that and it never works out. Yeah, it doesn't. Never works out as well. Yeah, and it doesn't happen very often in this either. It happens maybe three times, three or four times, where he just comes on and and talks about stuff. The other thing is I think that they use that as kind of a transitional thing as well because the film starts in like the mid-90s and it goes – or the mid-80s and it goes all the way up until I think 92 or 96. So it does – span a pretty lengthy amount of time and it is just a downer man it is a depressing movie everything (laughs) is dirty and grimy everything looks hot everybody's sweating constantly it's it's a lot like the rover actually it's it sounds like india yeah the the way that the visual style is a lot like the rover um but i do recommend it Actually, this is playing in select cities. It came out Friday. If you're interested in the history of cinema, world cinema, if you're interested in the history of exploitation films and that type of thing. And you just want to get fucking depressed. Yeah, that's the only thing is that it is a very, very dark movie. It's going to do it. And I mean, like... I don't want to give anything away, but it's like, it's one of these, it's like a rust and bone type thing where it's like, man, it, it just when you think it can't get worse, <laughs> it gets worse and worse and worse. Just slowly beats you down. But like I said, the visuals are incredible. They recreate some old movies in this. And mm. I swear to you, when they first, they, they start the film with one of these recreations. And I thought that it was a clip from like an actual, one of these movies that was made in the eighties. I mean, it is spot on and is so impressive Hmm. that I really liked. That was, that was really impressive. Also the, the acting, the performances are really good too. So it is a solid recommendation. I believe that it, it's, premiered at can last year's can I, I think you are correct so yeah check it out if you get a chance i think that it's on demand no it's not on demand is it <laughs> no it's not when it no. i think that yeah. it will be on demand relatively soon it seems like one of those that probably gets you know hits theaters for a couple weeks and then hits vod so yeah, no one no one knows no one knows vod anymore I think that we're getting close to knowing. We're getting we're close. getting close. I we're think getting that there. right now, I think our list, our calendar, is the most comprehensive out there. We're we're so close. Yeah, we're we're so close, so close. Uh, so that's that's all I got. That's called Miss Lovely. That's playing in select cities now. Do you have anything else? I have nothing else. All right. Nothing. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our first review. Okay. We were talking about Coherence. Now, this is also playing in select cities. A lot of people thought that this was playing on Video On Demand. It's not. Oh. It does come out on VOD in August. What? So. What? I'm so confused by 
how movies come out now. I know. I know. I, yeah. It doesn't make any sense I to me. I think that this is going to be out on Video On Demand August 4th, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. I'm not looking at it on my screen, but it's somewhere in the beginning of August. Just just know that we are, we're wrong about everything. Yeah. We have no idea. So this is directed by James Ward Burkett. I do have a synopsis here. On the night of an astronomical anomaly, eight friends at a dinner party experience a troubling chain of reality-bending events. Part cerebral sci-fi and part relationship drama, Coherence is a tightly focused, intimately shot film that quickly ratchets up with tension and mystery. So we do have a review for this up on the site. Todd reviewed it for us. He gave it a 6 out of 10. And I gotta say, I, I think that that is woefully low of a score for this movie because i really enjoyed this movie i enjoyed it as well i had so i i was i was completely surprised with this one well with indie sci-fi movies they yeah, seem right they seem to Just, go one way or the other you know you have the pri- you have the primers and then you have the other yeah, ones that and it's usually they usually go one way because for every primer there's like 49 others that are just terrible yeah i I think that making these mindfuck movies is hard because it takes a certain amount of i mean a movie like this i I would imagine is very difficult to plot out you know and this is a really hard movie to talk about without spoiling yeah anything because it's this is a movie that you absolutely have to go into cold and we're going to we're going to ruin that right now. Mm, no, I think we can skirt around most of the stuff. I, I think that we can stick with uh, what I mean. If you want to do a spoiler talk, we can, and then we'll just add it later. We can get into it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because yeah. I think that the summary, the IMDb summary, does give you just enough just to enough. intrigue you. Now, if you watch the trailer, also. They did a really good job in the the trailer for this movie because they kind of convey the same thing where you know that something weird is happening, but you don't know what. Don't know what it is. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm just thinking to myself, what the fuck is, you know, like, I think I figured it out and then they throw something else at you and you're just like, oh my God, that changes everything. (laughs) Wait a minute. I just love that <clears throat> there's there's so many movies about doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a shit ton of movies about doppelgangers this year. People yeah. are going hard on doppelganger. Well, this one, well they they've all been enjoyable actually. Yeah. Maybe that's why they keep making them because they're actually they're good. We we just can't get enough doppelgangers. Yeah, but this is more. So into it. This is different than... It's a lot different than Enemy and the Double. Like, I think Enemy and the Double are, on the surface, similarly plotted movies. Like, they they both are... They both follow the same kind of story, you know, where somebody meets their doppelganger and that person clashes with... They clash with each other and all this stuff. But the way that Coherence is structured is a lot different than those two. Definitely different. Definitely different. You know how happy, because I didn't really know too much about this film, and you wanted to watch it, so I I honestly thought that I was, you know, taking one for the team here. 
I had no expectations. I didn't really even know what the hell this was about. I just knew indie sci-fi, and I was terrified because I figured it was <laughs> yeah, going to be awful. <clears throat> and when it started off, the the camera work. Oh yes, yeah. close. It's used here. It's very close, intimately shot. It's handheld. It's shaky. You can tell someone's holding the camera and following these people around. So I was a bit terrified that this was found footage. Oh and no. When I finally, you know, I can't remember when it was. Maybe it was like 15 minutes in. I realized that it wasn't found footage. I was, you have no idea how happy I was. <laughs> I was so happy. Like, it immediately got a full star for not being found footage. I knew. Just, well, I was so absolutely delighted. I, it, it was, it's kind of ridiculous. I knew, what, I knew it wasn't found footage. And I was very glad that it wasn't found footage. If it was found footage, I wouldn't make you watch it. Good. You're a good friend. And it, but it, it also, I would have told you that it was found footage. I'd leave it up to you. I'd be like, hey, you know, there's this movie coherence. It's found footage. Are you interested? You know, I, I would give you the heads up. I wouldn't just, I wouldn't just railroad you. Just wouldn't, wouldn't railroad me with the, with the found footage. Yeah, that's good. See, that's good to know. Uh, speaking, getting back to the camera work, uh, I did like it. It did feel very claustrophobic, and I know that that was certainly an intentional thing. Yeah. And generally, I like movies that center around dinner parties. Oh yeah, and I did, for whatever reason, I like those movies as well. Yeah, I don't, know why. I don't know. I don't know why either. I mean, this is this is a one location film. It has one central group of characters, and they pretty much stick within like four rooms in a house, and that's yeah. it. But I'll tell you, it, it, they do a lot with what they have in this they do, movie. They do do a lot with it. And I think that the, the most interesting thing to come out of this film, I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. The camera work, I take it or leave it. I did, I, you know what I mean? It was mean? fine. I didn't think yeah. it was amazing. I didn't think it really, I didn't think it was annoying either. A couple places, it was a bit too shaky that I was like, come on, get it together. But to find out afterwards that, the entire film, like the dialogue, is all improvised. It's ridiculous. Well, that that's that was the next to thing me, I wanted to talk just, about. That's fucking ridiculous. Because when when you have movies like this, when you have these low budget indies that center around a group of people, a gathering, it's vitally important that the performances are strong. Because if if you have shitty actors. In, in that type of situation, it will immediately pull you out of the whole thing oh, yeah. and ruin yeah. it. I've seen a lot of indies where, you know, it's about friends getting together for yeah. a party or a as gathering. Soon, as soon as they open their mouths. Yeah, you're just like, like, oh, God. You're not real people. So with this movie, everything feel, all the conversations feel very real and organic and natural. I, I feel like these people are friends in real life. And... Everything just, it, it all works very well. And it, I didn't know that this was all improvised. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't know how much of it. Well, I'm sure that, but right. I'm sure a that good the number of it is the improvised stuff is probably like the, the, the banter and the conversations. I'm sure that the, the broad strokes with, you know, what's happening to them. I'm but sure that would be, that's that would planned. be hilarious. Well, it'd, it'd be impossible. Just, I know, but it'd be it'd be hilarious if they just someone just improvised that, and then James Ward Burkett was like, "Yeah, that's a good fucking idea. Let's do it." 
like someone just threw out the idea of Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Improvising, and they just fucking ran with it. Yeah, I uh, I really really enjoyed because I never knew where it was gonna go. Like I like I said, I thought that it was gonna go one place. It would just and then steer off, and then you're just like, holy shit, that's not that person, and it was just great, very entertaining, loved it. It was it was it definitely a huge surprise, and that's like I said on Letterbox. I'm not sure if I'm maybe over rating this because I was so surprised like i was so happy that this wasn't bad i did i you know what i mean like i well like i want to praise it more because no, indies american indies have been sucking so much lately i don't think so uh because it's new you know it's it's a fresh it's a fresh unique story and that's something that we don't get a lot of and i think that it deserves it's, credit for that it does it does a lot on a low budget it does. The only thing I did think of the entire time was that community episode, community where episode. where they 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 have to roll a, yeah uh, they roll a uh, dice no. or whatever yeah. to to answer the door to get the pizza. Well, they even in the movie they even mention uh, sliding doors, which we've mentioned on the show before the Gwyneth Paltrow movie. So it's not like yeah, it's not like this is something that's never been done in movies before, but uh, it's. it's to me, like Primer, it's never been done on that kind of scale. Because when you think about it, this really is kind of a crazy movie. Once they once they start getting into like the more complicated aspects of it. Love the ending, too, by the way. Yes, the ending was fantastic. So this guy, this director, James Ward Burkett, he is... It looks like he must be uh buddy buddy with Gore Verbinski because it seems like he works with him a lot. Like he wrote Rango and then he also is the storyboard artist for all the Pirates movies and Rango and Mouse Hunt. Yeah, this is this was just as surprising as the uh Yeah, the this find, is you know, finding out that everything was improvised. I was like, oh you know, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, oh, the guy that wrote Rango? Mm-hmm. What? I love Rango, but it's just it doesn't. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? There, there feels no connection there whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And this is his feature debut as well. Yeah. So, good job, James. Nailed it. Nailed it, buddy. Way to go. I don't know. Do you do you want to get into <laughs> do you want to get into the the details <laughs> of the plot? I think we can a little bit. I think it is fun to, you know, that's a pretty ballsy ballsy experiment you know for your for your future debut to be an improvised dinner party movie based yeah. around schrodinger's cat that's right. that's kind of ridiculous what we're gonna do we're gonna talk about some of the plot details what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna actually put this at the very end of the show because very i don't I, I don't want anybody listening uh by accident and hearing how this goes so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna put it at the end of the show so if you, if you saw coherence and you want to hear our thoughts on the actual plot, just go ahead, just keep listening and it'll be at the end. So, well, it's a, is it going to be like a hidden track? No, it's just going to oh, be after the end. That'd be great. I want a hidden track. All right. So, what are you going to give coherence out of ten? I give it an eight. I am also going to give it an eight. A strong eight. I had so much fun with this movie. I just I love these mind benders. 
and this is definitely a smart mind bender. Smart mind bender. I would agree. And the whole thing with the glow sticks too is is very clever and interesting. I did I did enjoy I did enjoy the glow sticks. Yeah. So there you have it. Go see Coherence. It's playing in select cities now and it'll be on demand in August. Let's go ahead and jump right into our next review. We're talking about the Rover. This is directed by David Michaud, same director as Animal Kingdom, which we both loved. It's been it's been a while. It it has been a while. The IMDb synopsis for this is 10 years after a global economic collapse, a hardened, ruthless ex-soldier tracks down the men who stole his only possession. As he travels through the lawless Australian outback, he takes a damaged young man as his unwitting accomplice. Stars This stars Guy Pearce and Scoot McNary, Robert Pattinson. Now, you were working on a... Were you going to be reviewing this? I, I am going to be. I'm going to be. Okay. Don't stop pushing me. Stop pushing me. Well, I mean... It, Stop pushing me. All right. All right. So, uh, I, I'll i start it off. All right. Let's do it. A couple things... Couple things over. A couple things I want to talk about before, like, really getting into the, the nitty-gritty of what I thought about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wrote some notes down here Fantastic. when I saw some of my... I enjoy, I enjoy notes. Yeah, some I of like my the, patented, uh, patented notes here. Uh, the first note I wrote is flies. A lot of flies. <laughs> there of flies. are so many flies in this movie. I mean, they're going in noses, eyes, I, mouths. Like, dude, that's that's all I could think of in the very beginning when Guy Pierce is just sitting in a car. And it goes right in his and, nose. And he, he goes like right in his nose, and he's not phased at all. Yeah. And I was just I was sitting there, and in my head I'm like, that's fucking acting, man. Yeah. Like I couldn't do that. There's no way I could do that. Oh my god, the whole time I'd be because swatting, you see, dude. Because you see later. Robert Pattinson has it happen. It goes in his nose and he does the old where he blows, <laughs> yeah. blows you know? And I was like, see, that's the difference. That's the difference between a real actor and a guy that just isn't there yet. Well, Guy you know Pierce I mean? does swat. He does swat at the flies he does, he swat, several he times. There are so many flies in this movie. Uh, the other the other thing I wrote is Ryan because... you Are you thinking the same fucking thing? Uh, Robert Pattinson... Is Ryan. Is Ryan Holes. It's <laughs> was, fucking weird. The whole time, I'm sitting there watching this, and I was just like, that is Ryan. His yeah. mannerisms, the way he looks, like the scene where he's sitting on the bed and he picks up the water, just like the, the way he holds <laughs> yeah. it with both hands. Like I was like, that is Ryan. I can't it's, believe it. It's, it's fucking weird. It's really weird. Because Mary said the same thing my wife. When we were di- when we were done watching it, she's like, I, she's like, I hope I hope you're not, you know, upset about this or something. But yeah. Ryan is Robert Pattinson. Yeah, Robert Pattinson is Ryan. And I was like, I was thinking the same fucking thing. Yep. And and, and during the film, my Mary leaned over and said, he he acts just like Ryan. <laughs> like he like, even yep. like his face and everything. Yeah, he looks he looks like him too. It's it's very bizarre. It's weird that I've never noticed it before, but I don't know if I've really seen Robert Pattinson in it. Well, I think that uh, more than anything, it was just the haircut and the like, the beard stubble in this. But even, but even like the way that his face is shaped. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's very, very much like Ryan. It was, it was Ryan. weird. But I think this movie more than anything, not not just because of like the hairstyle and stuff, but just the way. He kind of moved, and he was like, you know, kind of twitchy, and just yeah, he's, he's just constantly fidgeting. 
Yeah, just the way, and even the way he talked sometimes. Now, obviously, Ryan sounds much more intelligent, but the how he would be like, you know, make noises. Yeah, make the, yeah, the noises before he before he actually talked. Yeah, I just I was blown away by that. I think it would have been amazing if at one point Pattinson just picked up a, a can of Pringles, shoved it in the side of his, his face. face. <laughs> And then just turned to me and winked. I think that that would have been amazing. Uh, the other thing I wrote is gun sounds. I thought that the uh, all the action sequences in this movie felt very real and extremely real. All of the all of the sounds when they're when guns were being fired almost scared me because they, it was they just, actually made me jump. Yeah, I think every single time the the scene the scene uh in the hotel, the motel shootout, um, when Robert Pattinson fires that yes. revolver, I was just like, I knew it was going to happen. And I was just like, I was like prepared for it. And it happened. I still jumped. I was like, Oh my God, that everything sounded so real in that. I was it's, really it, impressed with that. It felt like they recorded all the, the gun sounds yeah. like, on ridiculously high levels compared to the rest of the movie. It's a, it's a very visceral film, and I think that adding those things into it, uh, you know, enhances that feeling. Well, I enjoyed uh, when the movie was over. My wife goes to me. I counted fourteen people got shot in the face, <laughs> and I was like, "That's a good number to know." For, so fourteen people got shot. Just a heads up. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of death in this movie. A lot of killing. A lot of violence. It's a very grim film. Uh, very dirty. Oh, it's so dirty. Film. Uh, the so other, dirty. the other two notes I have here are more, more uh, about kind of criticisms, or just discussing the film itself. So maybe we can just get into this. I have uh, crossfades. Uh, there were a lot of crossfades uh, in this movie, and I did not like them at all. I, I, I can't, I can't stand the whatever you want to call it, the fade cut or the dissolve or whatever. I can't stand those. I fucking hate them. Yeah, I had a I had a real problem with that. Other than that, I liked the look of the film. I thought uh, it was very visually pleasing. Obviously, it's the type of movie that that I have a soft spot for. You know, uh, like any time that they were in any of the buildings, any of the houses, love the look. You know, the mm-hmm. rundown, oh, yeah. dilapidated, disgusting. You know, roads these roadside buildings and. I loved all that stuff, but yeah, the the crossfades I just had a problem with. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, I had a there's a there's a severe lack of dialogue in this movie, and yes. it's it's intentional, but I found myself getting impatient quite a bit, especially when there were multiple times when people would ask Guy Pierce a question, and he would just. He would just ignore them. He just, or they would ask him to do something, and the camera would cut back to him, and he'd sit there for like a minute before doing whatever it was that they asked him to do. And I found myself getting impatient several times throughout the movie, where I'm just like, "All right, come on, dude! Like, just he's asking you the question fifty times. Just, just say something, even if it's just you saying fuck you to this guy. Just, just say something." Come on, Guy Pierce, just react. 
Yeah, but just... yeah, I, I know, I know what you're saying because the beginning of the film, that's all I could think of. I was like, this is a fucking patience test right here. Oh yeah, the whole opening sequence. I was just, you know, I'm like, I wonder if anyone's gonna walk out. I was, I was very curious. There were no walkouts in my screening, but I thought for sure there'd be a couple. Like, I mean, just, just in that beginning part where he gets into the truck and he's trying to get the truck. Uh, unstuck from whatever kind of like construction equipment that it was under it plays out in real time buddy. plays out in real time <laughs> you just him backing up putting it in putting it in going back into reverse trying to you know swing it out of there like it's a very <laughs> deliberately paced it's, yeah, movie it's 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 slow it's slow but i thoroughly enjoyed it because the visuals are so strong right i thought that the i mean this movie Oh, the cinematography is just unbelievable. I mean, the whole, the the entire opening sequence, the way that that's shot, where he's it, sitting, where he's sitting in the where bar, he's sitting Love in the it. bar. Uh, that's that shot alone. I was just like, as soon as that happened, I was like, yes, because mm-hmm. that's incredible to me. And I I saw that uh, in the trailer. In one of the trailers, they they show that scene, but it was it still was impressive to me to see it. I could I could watch that scene every day for the yeah. rest of my life. I'm gonna try and get that to work. I but, uh, yeah. When I, when I saw the trailer and you see that shot in there, I just immediately thought to myself, "Well, this is my favorite movie of the year. I can't <laughs> wait to see it." Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It's not my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I I did have some some nitpicks, most of what I've already mentioned. But one thing that I did like was just the the tone of the whole the whole movie. I loved that it was it was weird, like. It wasn't afraid to be kind of odd, like the the sequence where he's trying to get the gun and just how everybody reacts to him, like where they're just kind of sitting there and it, and like he goes to get the gun and it's like a little person going into this trailer and it was just a very... Yeah, and he is not... If you're selling guns on the, you know, on the black market, you don't sell them loaded. <laughs> you're not... Because you saw that coming from a mile away. Yeah, as soon as he course. pulls, as of soon course. as he pulls out the clip, you're like, "Oh, that's a fatal mistake, buddy." You don't do that, right? And that's the thing. Guy Pierce is not a likable dude in this movie. No. He's like the definition of an antihero in this movie. He's a pretty bad guy. He's he's a, he's pretty awful. I wouldn't. I, yeah, like I don't even know. He's like barely an antihero. He might just be a villain. <laughs> He's just a straight up bad guy. I mean, uh, he, yeah, I think I think he pretty much is. Yes. Well, I think the end. He there's that does not redeem him. I think I think his actions, <laughs> his actions towards the end, uh, give him some redemption. And I kind it's of took smart. solace in the fact that most of these people that he's killing are bad people. Like that, the, the, even though they may not be, they may be upstanding citizens. I told myself. <laughs> These are bad people. <laughs> so you just decided right. for them. <laughs> I, I decided that he's an anti-hero. I don't know if you're, if that's how it works. I don't think. But he's, he's a, but I guess you can. He's a badass though. Like he. You just want to like him because he's a badass. He's a badass. And I also want to like him because of the very, the, the very end when you find out why he uh, is trying to get his car back so bad. I mean that. Obviously, I'm sure you saw that and were like, "Oh, well, this is this is it for Adam." And it was like that. Well, it's interesting 
because I don't know if I knew this when, you know, news of this first came out, like when he there first started being talk about what his next movie was going to be, but I like I already knew that. Like, oh, I, I didn't. I think it, when this movie first came out, it that was part of like the synopsis. Like they told you that. Oh, and I, then they well, sort yeah, of I... like swept it under because for whatever reason, like I knew. I didn't I knew know that going into it. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. So that was that was nice. I mean, they give you some some hints throughout. Uh, some that's why fl- that's that's why there's so many flies. <laughs> so they give you. They do give you some hints, but I I didn't see the end coming. I had mm-hmm. suspicions, but it was different than what I expected, and I it just wrapped it all up very nicely to me, like. Well, I think that's it's interesting because it, it's sort of like a theme of the whole movie, right? Where you don't you don't know. Like he continuously asked Pattinson, "Is this something that you know, or is it something that was told to you?" Right. You know what I mean? You like you can't be jumping to conclusions and making assumptions and judging people when you don't know everything that there is to know about the person and their situation and what they're going through, what their motivations are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that they. They threw that in the end there, like here's another piece of the puzzle to this to this man, you know, and yeah. like in like in the beginning where you're thinking like, oh, this is a badass guy, he's kind of a hero, he wants to get his stuff back, he's kind of helping people, and then he has that confession that he makes when he gets arrested, right? And then you're like, okay, this is not a good guy, yeah. <laughs> like all right, <laughs> he's just he. But again, the the funny thing with that when when he did that. I thought to myself, oh, he's lying. He's just lying to that guy to, to make himself out to be a badass. He didn't really do that. That's not him. That's not Guy Pierce. He did, though. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to believe it. But uh, I do I, I do love, you know, he says a lot of really good things in this film. And I, I think his little line, he makes that confession, and then he said, you know, that no one came for him. Right. You know, that there, that there was no one that wanted to bring him to justice and or, you know, was seeking vengeance for those people. You know what I mean? Like that hurt him more than what the action that he actually did. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is, is very interesting to think about. Well, that's, that's the thing. This, this film is sort of a a post-apocalyptic type of film. It's a very isolated post-apocalyptic film, but it is set in a uh, Mad Max-esque you know backdrop but it's done on a very i mean they take it down several notches from mad max certainly mm. but yeah. it still has that kind of genre feel to it it feels like a, an exploitation film which i i love australian exploitation films and it did i mean the influences were certainly there yeah in this movie like even um the the scene when he's like following the car after they steal it that shot where the camera is kind of fixed on his dashboard and just the way that they're showing like pulling up you know real close behind him it just felt very mad max how that was shot so i'm sure that the influences are there and so again that was like a big plus for me because love these australian exploitation films love mad max and this was like it was like art house meets Mad Max, yes, which is a a blending that I am all about. <laughs> Could definitely get behind that. I'll, it's also a road trip film. 
and I love road trip films. So there, there's you know, this it's, is it's it's kind of a buddy cop movie too. It is. I was just gonna say, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's definitely a buddy film as well. So I was, I was all about everything in this movie. I love the themes. The the very end was definitely the thing that tied it all together for me. But I love the journey that it takes as well. It's a very slow movie though. I think that it is going to be yeah. a tough one for some people to get through. But I do. I think it's thoroughly, thoroughly. I I love. I love. Extremely the, interesting to think about as well. Oh yeah. Numerous things. There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of really odd little um, encounters that he has. Like the woman in that one really creepy house when she's like looking out the window and he has that exchange with her. Yeah. Like that was a really interesting moment because you have this like horrible house where everybody's like dirty and nasty and then she looks all like prim and proper and she's wearing a clean white shirt and has, you know, her hair done and just that conversation that the two of them had i thought was really interesting and and knowing the end it kind of puts all of that i saw that conversation in a new light indeed indeed i think that it's really funny to think about all these robert pattinson fanatics that are going to go see this because of robert pattinson i just i can't wait to find out i would love to see what they thought of it I mean, they're at least going to see, well, hopefully they should, what I saw, which I thought he gave an unbelievable performance. Well, that's, that's the thing. I thought he was great. He was amazing in this movie. Like, I thought he was good in, um, what was the... the only, I think the only other thing I've seen him in is Cosmopolis. Yeah, Cosmopolis. I thought he was fine thought in he was Cosmopolis, Cosmopolis, but... Uh, like, he kills it in this one. Yeah. He, was he nails it. Just really really amazing job i mean even from the from the very beginning it's like this dude's this dude's got some chops when he's injured and he's sitting there like up against a tree or whatever and he's he's hurt he's bleeding just that he does he does some good stuff yeah he does he does some uh, mighty fine work in there in this movie and i you know i've heard i've heard people saying you know guy pierce does a really good job too which i think he does but it's nothing special like it's not that hard to like see silently the thing the thing about guy pierce is that he always does a good job i mean whatever you put him in he's gonna kill it so i think that robert pattinson's performance kind of overshadowed his not just because of that but also robert pattinson's character was a more interesting and more developed character i mean Yes. He talked more. I thought that it was interesting that he knew Chinese. Like, I thought that that was kind of an well, odd. Uh, well, I, that's what I love about it. Because that's, like I said, that's the whole theme of the, the film is that you can't right. judge people without knowing everything. And if you think about that a little bit, it's not, you can't truly know everything about someone to, you know, to fully judge them. So you shouldn't be judging at all. Like he says, you know, is this something that was told to you? Or is this something that you know? Where Guy Pierce doesn't really realize that they're the same fucking thing because you can't really know anything. So, you know, you would sort of form this judgment of Pattinson's character and then he fucking knows Chinese. And he just, you know, he throws that all out the window. It's like, oh, this guy's really slow. Mentally, he's not intelligent. And then he fucking speaks Chinese. 
And then you're like, okay, I have to rethink that now. Because mm-hmm. he knows Chinese. I don't know Chinese. <laughs> so. <laughs> By the transitive property, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're... Exactly. So technically speaking, his character is smarter than I am. And what'd you think of Scoot McNary's performance? He wasn't in it a whole lot, but when he was he... in it, I thought he was great. I thought he was great as well. I, I wish he was in it more. Well, I, I missed I missed me some Mendelssohn, though, I gotta say. Some yeah. Ben Mendelssohn. I wish... He, he, it I seems wish he like he'd be up. perfect for this, doesn't oh, it? I would have been so happy if he popped up. And it, and in all actuality, I, I just miss him in general. I haven't seen him in a movie for quite some time. Yeah, I haven't seen him in anything for a while either. Just, you know, where's he at? Come back. Yeah. Uh, Scoot McNary's in the... He's in that new AMC show, Halt and Catch Fire. And he's great in it. Is he? Yeah, it's the show's really good, and he's he's great. It's like him and Lee Pace. Lee Pace is really good too. Uh, so the rover, I'm going to this. This was a tough one for me to score. I actually haven't given it a score yet. So I, I have one last question. Uh huh. Because the only thing I really knew about this going in is I did see a lot of talk on Letterbox about how Mashad uses a. Uh, a Carrie Hilson song, which oh, I yeah. don't know who, which I don't know who Carrie Hilson is. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I could sort of deduce what they were getting at. So, I knew that song. I've heard that song before, but I did, I didn't know who, who sang it. I've never heard this song before, so I'm thinking that he uses it in a very you know creative way. And I was like, I can't wait to see what what, what this is all about. Like, how does he use this song? Yeah. And then the way he uses it, I thought that's just really fucking stupid. It was really weird. Like it was it just, just it was stupid. Because it felt like he threw it in there just so people would say, "Oh my god, I can't believe he used a Carrie Hilson song." Cuz the rest of the music is unbelievable. The way that he uses right. Colin Stetson's experimental yeah, saxophone stuff is just it's perfect. It fits the film perfectly. But that Carrie Hilson song choice was just it uh it I thought- was I thought the scene the scene was fine. It just it took too long. I mean, it played like the whole. It felt like the whole song. It wasn't, but the it started. You know, when they were walking in the desert, yeah. and it just like stuck on them for like a minute walking, and then it cut to like him and sitting in the car singing along. And you know, it's fine. I think that it's fine to include that just to you know drive home what you were saying, where you can't really judge a book by its cover. Yeah, but I just I thought it was too too long. Like it just, I mean this this isn't a long movie, but I felt I I did feel like it could have been trimmed up a bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Because it it does get, but, I think for people who don't like you know these kind of slow burn movies, I think that people will feel very uncomfortable in this movie. Oh yeah. Oh, they're gonna feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. But again, the the action was great too. The action's great. The cinematography, like I said, it's just it's unbelievable. It's so good. Just the way that they chose to to frame some of these shots, like when they introduce you to Pattinson's character, the fact that they open up that whole situation with a, like a two minute long frame of just a guy with a slit throat, tr- like trying oh, that to was, breathe. Yeah, that was like, crazy. That's how you're introduced to that episode. Like that was, ju- it was just unbelievable. There's so m- many beautiful shots. Like the opening sequence, I said with the car 
going by uh that scene with the guy breathing or trying to breathe for some reason because that's not going to work and when he went into the dog room and the, like the way the lights flicked on and stuff yeah i love obviously they, love that scene from the distance where they showed um where they were driving up in the night with just the headlights and the camera was so far away i thought that was brilliant like almost every frame is just unbelievably beautiful except for when they do the the fade cuts that was like i cringed every time that that happened yeah yeah i am going to score the rover a oh man this is this is a really tough one for me based on performances and visuals alone i think i'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 ooh ooh I think I'm going eight as well. Going eight. Yeah, we got, a, we, got a, we got we got we got double eight. Double eights this week. Good week. I'm hoping next week's going to be good too. So let's go ahead and talk about that. Uh, let's do it. Predictions. Think like a man. Two. You said forty-eight. I said forty-two. Actual twenty-two. And uh-huh. Jersey Boys. You said forty-two. I said forty-eight. Actual fifty-five. A little bit. Shut, shut up. A little bit. Uh, Jersey Boys. A little bit better than what we expected. And Think Like a Man 2, far worse than what we expected. Next week, we have Transformers Age of Extinction. See, this is a a tough one because uh, it's probably going to be terrible, but it might surprise, might be a surprise. Either way, I'm going to bank on terrible and I'll say 36. No, wait, it'll be better than that, I think. Uh, Let me change that to 45. I'm going to go with your original 36. I'm going to steal it. Steal it. Oh, man. I'm stealing it's it. It's a risky I just, I, for now on, all I can think of is, I think we, I think we found a Transformer. <laughs> I think we found a Transformer. <laughs> that, is, that is so ridiculous. Uh, that's, I believe that's all that's hitting wide release next week. Uh, next Now, next week in limited release, we do have Snowpiercer, which I, Definitely recommend Pierce seeing that. Snow. Go Pierce see that. Snow. Begin again. They came together, which is David Wayne's latest, which we will be reviewing next week on the show. The Internet's Own Boy, which I I do recommend that. Theron Schwartz documentary. Whitey, which is the Whitey, what's his name? Whitey Bulger. Bulger documentary. Is it Bulger? Or Bulger? I, yeah, I'm not sure if it's Bulger. Whitey, I think Bulger. it's Bulger. 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 I'm interested in that because I really don't know much about that case. They're making a, a dramatic version of that with, with Johnny Depp playing Whitey. No way. Yeah. Really? You they usually they usually do don't do that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's kind of a departure. <laughs> Trying something new? Is that what they're doing? Yep. Oh, uh we also have nothing bad can happen. Oh, talk about getting depressed. <laughs> Like you said earlier about yeah. Miss Lovely. Yeah. Do so. Do that. Watch Miss Lovely, and then watch Double Bill. Double Bill. Back and happen, and then curl up in a ball and just cry for the next seven days. And another pretty depressing one: Bound by Flesh, the documentary of the conjoined twins, comes there out. You, there you go. Just get yourself a bottle, lay under your bed, and just cry for the next week and a half. Video on demand next week. Treasure trove. A treasure trove of releases. Are you serious? There are so many. We got very good girls, uh, which that's, I mean I'm not interested that in that. That just sounds terrible. They like they couldn't even come up with a title for it. 
Yeah, not interested in that. I am interested in Happy Christmas, which is Joe Swanberg's latest with uh, Anna Kendrick, Lena Dunham. Okay. I think we're going to be reviewing that next week as well. Oh, okay. Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. Not interested in that. That just sounds terrible. Everything that you just said. They came together. I'm very excited for that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I I saw a couple clips in the trailer. It looks very funny. looks very... Wet Hot American Summer, and that's, that's what that's has what me excited. Hoping. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I want them to get back. Well, they are working on the sequel, which I'm very excited about, too. Did you hear about that yes, Wet Hot American Summer sequel? How how it takes – it's actually a prequel. It takes place before the first one, and it's all the same actors, and they still, they still play, like, 16-year-olds. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh. Bound by Flesh comes out on video on demand. Whitey comes out on video on demand. The Internet's Own Boy. Drones, which looks really bad. And Snowpiercer. Drones? What is drones about? Uh, It's about drones. It's about drones? Yeah. Again, I will recommend Snowpiercer if you haven't seen that. Highly recommend it. We might even talk about... We might... Because we both saw that already, so we might talk about that next week, too. We we can... I don't. Yeah, I don't think we ever talked about. It. No, no. So we'll 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 do like a. We'll talk about that one too. We'll t- we'll we'll brush. We'll brush we'll it. Brush it. Brush it. Brush it. Brush bit. it up. All right. I think that that will. Oh, are there any criterions? There's one criterion, and that's what we got? Rich, Richard Lester's A Hard Day's Night, Ooh. The Beatles. So never. Uh, I never liked that movie. Dude. Dude, it's the Beatles doing slapstick. I Come did, on. did you see that movie? Did no. you ever see it? I've seen parts of it. I don't. I saw it when I was it. young, and I hated it. I was like, "What is this? Why? Why do people love this? It's stupid." I I don't I don't get it either. It's a con- like I, watched, I know it's a controversial opinion, but it's not. It's not. I'm right there with you. This is stupid. Do not get this. Criterion should be you know putting their time and efforts into into something that matters. Not a hard day's night where. You watch the Beatles fucking goof off for 87 minutes. <laughs> so fucking full of themselves. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's a fucking cash grab. They're living not, large, man. They're living large. Is it not? You know what I mean? Like, they were big at the time, and they are like, dude, let's just make a movie. We'll make shit tons of money off of it. Well, it's was, like, what do, you, what do you want the movie to be about? It's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we do. We just dick off. Running around and fast forward Benny Hill style. Yeah, dude, we'll just goof off, slapstick. Just dick around, turn the camera on, fucking boatloads of money. Let's do it. I think the only reason people like that movie is just because it's the Beatles. Like, it's just, yeah. it's oh, got yeah. footage of the Beatles. If yeah. if something has footage of the Beatles, it's immediately Well, amazing. no, I mean, if this was Toto, no one would watch this or give a shit about this. They would say that this I'd is I'd watch awful. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it if it was Toto. <laughs> It'd be a curiosity oh, watch. <laughs> Now I want to find out if that exists. Oh, I'm there, sure there's, I'm there sure there's concert docs, but I don't know if we're on hard days night <laughs> level. I want to see the members of Toto doing slapstick and goofing off. I would love that. I would love to see right. that. That'd be amazing. But still have the soundtrack to all be Beatles music. <laughs> it's playing. It's playing Hard Days Night, but it's Toto running around. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear Toto's music. Uh. Well, I'd, I'd like to hear Africa. I mean, they need to at least play that. I think I think that's the only... I think there's maybe one other Toto song that I know other than Africa. 
Well, I, yeah, I don't know if there are. I, I, I think, think there was Twitter, one other one that they had that was like kind of a hit. I do like to think now that, you know, there's Toto Toilets. I like to think yeah. that that's what they do. Like they stop. They stop being a band and they kept went into the, the toilet, toilet business. <laughs> yeah, they just make toilets now. Like that's what they do. So anytime I see a Toto Toilet, I automatically start singing Africa in my head. <laughs> I, the, I sing Africa in my head like at least probably once every other week that song for some reason gets stuck in my head more than every other song now see that's i think that's a a, you know something that needs to be looked into that needs to be looked into they need to come up with numbers i want to know how how often toto toto's africa pops into people's heads i'm sure i'm sure in the future they'll they'll monetize that in the future where toto gets a little little bit of money every time it comes in this pops into somebody's head and they'll play an ad before it before it gets stuck in your head see that would be that would be an interesting interesting comedy sci-fi comedy yeah where they gain control of that advertising companies and gain control of the songs that get stuck in your head yeah, i love it love they get they get it yeah they they can buy up ad space inside your head fucking run with that i got so many fucking ideas sounds today. like some terry gilliam would explore fucking run with it you got your wireless headphones you got this idea for a movie that i just shout out you got toto movie come on fucking laying down gems left and right you run are with you are all right i think that that will wrap it up for the day send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net we'll be sure to answer them on the show Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. Uh, make sure you rate us on iTunes. That's a big help. We appreciate that very much. For FilmPulse.net, my name is Adam. My name is Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. I hear the drums echoing tonight And she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation So what did you think of the m- multiple... The multiverse, like the multiple <laughs> the mul- de- dimensions, the parallel universes, just all happening s- concurrent s- concurrently. It was it was fantastic. I did like, and I loved how they threw little bits and pieces in, like throughout. Mm-hmm. That made you the, just the like rethink. the glass, the the broken glass on the table, and and the you the, know the glow sticks and the glow sticks the box and the, that they made and, and the woman uh the woman referencing the plant where she she complimented her on that plant mm-hmm. on the yeah. windowsill i love that i love the when you realized that the girl she, i guess she's she's pretty much the protagonist she's sort of the main character even though it is kind of an, an ensemble piece more they follow this uh emily more than anything yeah, she seems to, like as the movie goes on, she seems to. Yeah, she kind of takes the the, the uh, main the stage. Yeah. Uh, when she realizes that she's not in the right house, I thought that that was a really interesting twist because the whole time you're thinking like, are these people that left and came back, are they the right people in the right house? And then we realize like, shit, it's the the main character who's not in the right house. I. I thoroughly enjoyed that, like when when they did discover that some of the people, because they, they all they were all surprisingly pretty. They handled it pretty calmly. Well, yeah, that was the, you know, it was yeah. Like, Show us your phone, and he's like, "It's my phone," and they're like, well your, "Well, your phone was cracked at the beginning of the night," and he's just like, "Oh shit, I'm in the wrong house." 
Yeah. He, like he did they didn't lose their shit. Well, that, yeah, that like, was Oh shit. That was one of the thing I li- I liked the how they handled pretty much everything except the guy, the one dude that uh got drunk. Like I thought that he was freaking out a little bit too much. I did think that the development of his character was kind of odd. But the, but the thing odd. is that you have to remember the the guy that we saw at the beginning was not the guy that we saw for the majority of the movie. You know, after he said, because at one point he said, you know, what if what if my other the other me is drinking? And then like all of a sudden we flip back and then he starts acting a little bit weird. And he's like, I'm going to look for some wine or whatever. So we knew that at that yeah. point it was a different guy completely. But it's interesting because you you also have to think of when is the when did what's the Schrodinger cat moment? What is the moment that everything stems from where there's the multiple universes because for him in his in each multiple universe that's existing right now you know the different realities he sleeps with the other guy's wife and all of them right so that it happened after sometime in that point so he's kind of not he doesn't really change much as a character at all because his well, that's yeah that's is sort of set that's the one thing that i was uh wondering was you know there's there's so many things it's like the whole butterfly effect you know where there's so many different variables and so many different things had to happen to get you to this point in your life right now you know so many decisions that you've made that could have changed everything so what they're saying in the film is that all of these parallel uh dimensions or universes or whatever you want to call them They've all been on the exact same path until a specific point in time, and then they diverged. And then they, yeah, then you diverge. So it's exactly like the thought experiment of Schrodinger's cat, where you have a cat in a box. Box is closed. You can't see the box. So, and they have, I think the original thought experiment is like, there's an, I think, an atom, and there's a flask of poison, and if the atom decays... It'll break the poison and the cat dies. And if it doesn't, the cat lives. So if the box is closed, the thought experiment says that both realities both are exist. happening at the same both time. Both exist. Both exist. In one reality, the cat is dead. In the other reality, the cat is alive. But the reality collapses on itself once you open up the box, and then that's the reality. So for them, as the comet's passing, all these realities exist. And then when the comet passes it's going to be like opening up the box and all the realities collapse in on themselves so that's her at the end of the movie trying to find the right which, rea- which yeah, one she wants to stay like, in she's essentially window shopping yeah for what reality she wants yeah and but it was interesting when she did find the one because it made me think like okay there's multiple people that are jumping through these different realities so what are the odds that you're going to find one where you're not already in it you know what I mean? Yeah. So, because there's, who knows how many, million, could be millions of different realities. So, no matter what, she was going to be put in a situation where she's probably going to have to kill herself. You know, kill her doppelganger, essentially. And That's I thought true. that that was a, a really interesting thing to explore. And I also like the fact that, you know, the the reality that she does find is one where they'd never bothered to investigate the anomaly at all they never found the book 
They never saw the other house. They never went outside when the lights went out. And it's also the reality wherein she she took the job as the understudy. To, right. You know, to come back to the very beginning of the, the film, the story, which to me seems like that's the that's the moment, you know, that's the sliding doors moment, you know. Right. Exactly. She she took the job. She didn't take the job. Because in the the reality that she finds, she has the job and she's this huge star. She's unbelievable and all that, and her life is wonderful. But it is kind of odd that she kills herself a couple times. Yeah. Well, it's, but, it's probably multiple versions of her still. You know what all I mean? Wanting, all wanting to get that life, I guess. Yeah, it's, but, it's from other realities coming into that same one. But she she knows that she's the original person, so she doesn't really have to kill any of these people because... Once the comet passes and reality collapse, collapses in on itself, all those people disappear. Like the woman that she put in the bathtub, they just simply disappear. But how? And she's but, the one left. But how? So could she, she doesn't have to kill them. That's what I don't get. Like, how is she the original? How is she the original one? Well, who knows if she is? Right, because wouldn't I mean? What if? What if the reality that? Because clearly, the reality that she goes into is the one that sticks. Because when yeah. she wakes up. It's still that same reality. Still, still that same one. So, wouldn't the 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 Emily from that reality be the real one? Wouldn't she be the actual one? It doesn't matter. It did, all of them exist. They all collapse, but they all still exist in some area elsewhere. You just so we're can't so, interact. So, they can't interact with each other. She just she hopped. She hopped on uh, different into a different reality. But the one that she killed disappeared, though. Yeah, she's gone. She's gone. She probably collapsed back into some other reality. It's just, it's such a... But now, but she just ends up in a bathtub somewhere. Chad, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. It's just so crazy to to think about it. Like... The the main thing to learn from the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment is it doesn't fucking matter. The only thing that exists is when you open the goddamn box. Like, stop thinking about all this other shit. Well, the other thing that was kind of throwing me for a loop is that they kind of fuck around with time, too. Yeah. Because in different realities, things happen at different times. It seems like not all of the realities were happening concurrently. Because, like, with uh, the knock on the door and the note and all that stuff, it would happen at different times. So, not only are we dealing with multiple realities happening at the same time but we're also dealing with those realities are at different time periods oh yeah there's so so you got to look at like a reality and then think of every single possible thing that could happen right and then that's its own reality so there the idea for him to write a note so there's automatically reality where he writes the note and there's automatically reality where he does not write the note there's a reality where, where he writes the note and he delivers it, and there's a reality where he writes the note and he does not deliver. Yeah. And then it just keeps going and it just keeps building and building because there's you know a reality where he writes the note and it starts with "Hey there." There's a reality where he starts the note and it says "Hello." You know, it's it, the possibilities are endless. And I love the the idea of the box and putting the item in the box and rolling the dice and each person has a number and using that to try to figure out which reality is yours i i yeah. like i thought that, that was really interesting it is interesting but i like how it's also quickly made 
Oh yeah, completely worthless. You can't because <laughs> well, as soon as they so many goddamn boxes. Yeah, it's you would never get back to your own reality no. anyway because I, it's not I, like you can choose which one you want to go to. You yeah. go through the dark area out in the street, and you end up in just a random reality. So it's and I and I think that's what he was trying to say a little bit subversively with her how like she doesn't make decisions and decisions are sort of made for her because she just waits and waits and waits and people get sick and tired of it and then just move on because she's constantly probably thinking like oh if i do this this could happen you know she's worrying about all these multiple universes of what could happen with decisions she makes instead of just making a fucking decision and living in the reality that you're in and stop worrying about all this other crap and just live in the reality that you're in focus on that one I do want to, I will have to rewatch this movie at some point, uh, just knowing the end and knowing where it goes. It's, you know, it's like a fight club thing where <laughs> now that you know yeah, what it's you like, go you go back and you watch and you pick up on all these, there's probably so many little clues that I didn't pick up on. Like there were a lot that were obvious, like the ones I mentioned before, like the glass and things like that. And you're just like, wait, what? But when they show like the broken glass that's before you even realize mm-hmm. where this is going to go. That's before they find the book. That's before they talk about Schrodinger's cat. That's before everything. That's the only thing that I thought was kind of ridiculous. The you cell know, phone the, breaking? Like, well, no, the book. Oh, like, the book. They have the book and then like... What, like, what are the odds of that book being there? It's just... I thought it was a bit much because then he just like reads out of the book and like sort of explains the film. I was like, yeah. I think it would work better if you didn't just explain it outright to us yeah but it did it did the book did make for an interesting plot device though you know where some of the realities they went to steal the book from the other realities and yeah that that whole thing and that's essentially what made uh what's his name mike is it mike is he the yeah i think it's mike it's essentially what made mike kind of lose his shit yeah he's he did not make a lot of smart decisions no, he was pretty much I, the only one. I I like to think that the the cat moment is actually Nicholas Brendan who plays Mike. It was his decision. Like he was either going to be in Roswell or Buffy, <laughs> because and this is the alternate reality where he chose Roswell. So I think that that's the cat moment. It has to be. That's well, what, I mean, it has to about. it has to be a moment. Like that has to be an, a thing. Because because we because well, when I was watching this with my girlfriend and. We talked about that. It was like, because cause I was like, that dude wasn't in Roswell. He was in Buffy. But then yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Roswell was like at the same time as Buffy. Exactly. I love I love that they did that. It's a little, you know, because my wife did the same thing. She was like, oh, I used to watch Roswell. I don't remember him in that. Yeah. She's like, I might have to look that up. I don't think he was in that. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I was like, he wasn't in that show, was he? <laughs> And I never watched Buffy, so so my Mary was like, no, but he was in Buffy. Like he was in like every episode of Buffy. I was like, oh, what was up with uh, the the character Beth Elizabeth Grayson? What was up with her nosebleeds? I know I don't know what that was about. Because that that I can't I couldn't really put my finger on that. I don't know if that was from the ketamine or. That's what I thought at first. I was like, oh, is it just she's taking too much of that ketamine or what? She's just. It's just too much of that ketamine. You get, stu- <laughs> you get stuck in a multi multiverse K hole. That's that's difficult. You know, that's the the last 
really the last time you want to do ketamine. But it's you just don't want, it's... you don't want to be doing ketamine when you're stuck in oh god multiverses. <laughs> but it just seems like they they sh- they showed that several times for a reason, and I, that was just the one thing that I couldn't figure out why they showed that. Well, I did like how they threw that in there, the whole ketamine thing, because it is like a little like almost like a misdirect, like red herring type deal, because yeah. it can cause you know hallucinations. Mm-hmm. And do we really? Yeah, but you only thought that for like a split second, though. You know, but you you can't really you can't really trust if she's telling the truth. Is it really just a whisper of ketamine? Because they did or is say- it like full on ketamine. And when they did look, when they went back and looked at the bottle, it was like a quarter gone. Yeah. So, so, but see, in all the different realities, you know, there's a reality where someone took that entire bottle. There's a reality where no one touched the bottle. There's a reality where they all did some of it. There's a reality where all of them except one did it. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just, there's a shit ton of universes out there, and there's a lot of people fucked up on ketamine, and <laughs> a large majority of them, which I think would make for a very interesting movie. I wonder if there was like a, one reality where it was all just, they turned into a giant orgy, and they were all just having sex just, with each other. They're just all fucked up on ketamine. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> going at it. And I, I, was, I also thought it was... I was surprised to see that the one, the character of Lee is the woman that directed Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I thought that that was very random and odd. Yeah, that is odd. (laughs) And the guy that played Amir, I know his fucking voice from somewhere, and I can't figure it out, and it's driving me crazy. His voice? I know he he does voice works. He has to. I know that voice. Probably Rango. I never saw Rango. Oh, you never saw Rango. What? Man, I Jesus. You gotta see Rango, dude. I know. Cartoon Network, it's say. What's he do there? He was in Lion King one and a half. Did you see what? that? <laughs> Lion King, one and a half. Yeah, I did not see that. No, no, I didn't either. All right. Uh, I think that, that will wrap it up for some spoiler talk. <laughs>